insane with the flames going around and slamming on the floor and going. So it was lit on the end? Yes, yes. What? You know, like the same thing that happened with the hose with the water when the yeah. zone and the water goes everywhere. But it was fire. But it was fire. Whoa. Um, after that, I said, maybe we should do smaller parties next time. Yeah, yeah, let's change it up. He's the winner of MasterChef Season 4, and he's also an Italian who left uh, his home country in his early 20s to pursue the American dream. But at that time, he didn't know what the dream was. You see, he grew up in the restaurant business, working in Italy, Australia, Florida, and New York, and he had the privilege and honor to work with some really amazing chefs experiencing ingredients and techniques from different cuisines, from Japanese to French to modern American, and then, of course, Italian. Now, he can tell you that each person can be in charge of his or her own dream because he's living proof that that is possible. That's the kind of magic that he made in his life. His dream, though, keeps changing, and he's not really sure what he wants to be when he grows up. But right now, he enjoys being a dad and a husband. And he's got some kids, and he's so devoted to his kids and his wife. And he's a really amazing family man. And I think you all will be inspired and entertained by his unique and amazing story about following the American dream and becoming a success story. I think you'll enjoy my fun interview with my friend, Luca. Check it out. Hey, Luca, welcome to the Making Magic podcast. Thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes, this is going to be fun. We're going to have a casual chat here. Now, uh, I met you what is it, at least eight years ago? This is yeah, MasterChef. Long, long time ago, eight years, yes. MasterChef season four. Yep. And this is so crazy how everything's coming full circle. You know, with the pandemic, it's kind of hard to meet in person, but at least we're reconnecting again this way. Right? Technology and helps a lot. Tech helps, and, and you have, you have uh, blossomed into. You know, you're following your passion. You've got this dinner with Luca thing going on. That is, is that your your main thing that you're doing right now? Yes, dinner with Luca. Um, it started right after the show, so it started eight years ago, um, and and it's going it's going great. Um, at the beginning, was was mostly mostly from people who watch me on the show, mm -hmm. and. Now, because of technology and also because of, you know, 2020 COVID pandemic, uh, people got, you know, they were home all the time. So they binge watch a lot of shows and, and MasterChef, I guess, was one of them because mm. the, the amount of emails and messages I get on social media mm -hmm. are, um, I would say, as much, if not more, of when the show was there the first time eight years ago. Wow. So consequence of that, people that look me up, now they see the dinner with Luca. So the business, I would say last year picked up a lot, but also because I've been doing it for so many years and now with the internet and reviews and stuff, people look me up as a private chef in the area. Great. And, and many of them, they don't know about MasterChef, which I, which I like it a lot. People hire me just as because they see very good reviews online about the business. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, things have changed a lot last year. People traveled way less, right? Mm -hmm. Many months the restaurants were closed or they have limited capacity. And so people say, okay, we're going to have something. We're going to make a small party at home. Nice. So, yeah, eight years. Uh, and it's exciting. I never thought actually it was going to last so much. 
Well, that, that's, that's just proof of concept that it's working and you just keep doing what's working, right? Exactly. Excellent. So the way I normally kick off this show is I have my guests tell me about the, a, a story of the first thing that they've ever made. So with prop builders, it would be their first prop or with, you know, with, with scientists, it might be their first breakthrough discovery. So Luca being a chef, you're making things all the time. You're making new preps, you're making hors d'oeuvres, appetizers, entrees, desserts. So uh, if, if you could take my audience back to the, the, the beginning, when you first had your love for cooking, whenever that was, and if you could share something, the first prep that you've ever made. I tell you, there's a funny story, because my friends have a lot of them, and many of them, after the show, they would say, like, I cannot believe you want a cooking show, because back in the days when I cook for them, it was always a disaster. <laughs> okay. I remember once, once we made a plate of pasta, I didn't have pasta of the same, of the same type, and I put two different pasta, they have completely different cooking times in the same pot. So one, oh, was completely, okay. one was completely overcooked and the other one was, was raw, right? It was very hard. Or the famous, my friends still make fun of me. It was actually in a newspaper in Italy, um, oh, a local no. newspaper after, after I won the finale. You know, I come from a very small area. Okay. And, and um, anyway, the, lo the national newspaper covered it as well, but not as much as the local newspaper. Okay. To tell you, tell you a funny story, um, I was in Italy to make some events the December after the show aired, which was in September. Mm -hmm. And there was a piece of me in the local newspaper. It's a big newspaper. It's like a daily newspaper, like local. There were 20, 25 days in a row they talked about me and I was making fun of them in social media. I was like, you're nothing else. Nothing happens in this town. Eh? You just <laughs> follow me around and see what's up. But anyway, in one of the big articles, they gave me like the first page uh, the day after the finale and they went to collect the interviews with my friends and family. And one of my friends was mentioning the day that I make the carbonara. I invited people over, I made a carbonara, and it was spaghetti with scrambled eggs. <laughs> so it, it shows, you know, that um, it's a craft yeah. that I would say anybody can learn, right? Right. And, and takes just a little bit of practice, or a, a lot of practice, actually, a lot of experience, a lot of trying over and over again, but, you know. Yes. 20 years ago, nobody would have thought that I was going to win a, cu a culinary show or that I could cook as a, as a, as a living, you know? Right, right. So the, pa the pasta with eggs was the new carbonara. Carbonara, scrambled eggs. And That's I was cool. so confused. It's like, why, why is it? Why is it? I didn't, probably never even made scrambled eggs in my life, you know? So it's like... Wow. So, so, so much has happened since, since those, the scrambled eggs incident and the, the um, miss, miss uh, pasta misappropriation. Yeah. That was like 20 years ago. So after yeah. that, I left, I came in the States. Then when I started working in restaurants, because I always worked in restaurants, but I was a front of the house guy. Okay. So I was a server for many years, and then I became a manager. Um, but that's when the passion for great food um, really, you know, exploded. Because it was always around good food. Like my, my in Italy, we eat very well. Yes. My, my mother, my mother is a phenomenal cook. My grandmothers were both very, very good cooks. So nice. Was used right of eating good home style food. But then in New York, I got to work with with very good chefs in very nice restaurants. And, and, and I was able, you know, to look at what they were doing in the kitchen and, and, and learn also as a manager, as a server as well, mm -hmm. as a manager even more. It was very important for me to have a almost perfect knowledge on the food preparation because as a, as a let's say, between 
the dining room and the kitchen was us, right? So mm -hmm. in order to fulfill and to, to earn the trust of the customer about the food, okay. it was very good. it's important to know how the food is made. First, let's say you have somebody with allergies, right? Right. You want to you wanna have them, you, wanna, you, wanna, you want them to understand right away that you are on top of it and, you, and you're very confident. Mm -hmm. on the food right but yeah. also you know uh, sell i all i always seen the people in the dining room as salesperson especially in america where you earn a lot with the tips which are a percentage from the, that's the right track, right so very good to know about the, the 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 dish because you're able to present it in a better way to to you know to sell it, basically, too. It's, it's like a romance, you know? I remember uh, we had this beautiful uh, fettuccine with lobster and black truffle. It was the most expensive thing in the menu, and I sold it a lot. Did I sell it because it was the most expensive item in the menu? No. no I sold it because I really thought it was delicious, and I really loved the dish, and I was able to put my enthusiasm for yep. the dish to the customers so so that a consequence of that studying the menu the components of the dishes at the preparation it gave me the ability to go home and practice and make the same food and then go back to the chef the next day and say hey chef my salmon skin didn't come as crispy as yours what did i do wrong Right, so we would have a conversation, and and the chefs loved it because they always a few chefs I work with they always said like I never found anybody from the front of the house that is so excited and interested of what we are doing here in the kitchen. So for me, you know, and I never been to culinary school obviously or to a hotel management school, right? Mm -hmm. But that was was bad. There was better than any school because I could see hands-on day-to-day yeah. preparation. Yeah, you were right there. You were dropped right into it. You know, they, the phrase in America, they say thrown, thrown to the wolves. You know, you're just, you're, what, it's, it seems to me that that was the direction you were headed all along and, and it's just kind of, you had to start somewhere. But clearly if, if you're working the front of the house, and you keep going back to the kitchen and keep wanting to talk to the cooks, that's kind of, seems like that's the end goal direction that you want to be anyway. So, uh, yeah, most, most people, they take most, like from what I've seen, most people take a front of the house job just because maybe they just need a job and they just need some work and they don't really truly care about either the restaurant or the food. They don't have a true passion. It depends, it depends a lot also the type of the establishment Mm. And I noticed that a lot when I came here uh, from um, from Italy. In, in Italy, 20 years ago, working in restaurants was a career. Uh, there's no culinary school as a as a college in Italy. The culinary school is a high school, so you get that preparation as a professional, right out of the high school, and then you go and work in the mm. in the restaurants. The preparation is very different because while you go to high school and study to become a cook. Mm -hmm. Half of the year, you are working in restaurants as well, part of the school program. So oh, that's great. when I came here, I noticed right away, especially in New York, there were actors and models and um, I don't know, I work as a babysitter during the day and I make more money at night. Musicians. Musicians, right? Musician, probably. Probably, <laughs> yes. But but when you go to a certain level of restaurants, mm -hmm. there are people that do it as a profession because they love it. I'm talking about like Michelin star restaurants. Right. Or I'm talking about um, restaurants that are in the map as best restaurants in the world or best restaurants in America. So in that category yes but that's a that's a, you're right it is a it is a small percentage of the entire restaurants in america where 
uh, it is it is uh, the number one most paid non-professional job in America. Which front of house? In front of the house. Interesting. Servers servers um, make a lot of money in tips. That's one of the reasons why even I was a manager when I realized that I liked cooking more. But as a general manager, the salaries in New York City are very good. Sure. You do work easily 60 hours, 65 hours a week, easily, right? But, you know, mm -hmm. the, time, the time of my life, it didn't bother me. It was, it was easy to do. Um, but that was one of the reasons why even if I, I, I thought I would love to work in a, in a kitchen, right? I never made the jump because the pay cut was going to be incredibly different. Mm. So I'm lucky because of MasterChef, I was able to jump all, you know, those years of, that usually people do in the kitchen before they can get to a certain level. Yes. That's why I never ended up doing a restaurant because I, I think that the sacrifice is, is incredible. And I have two young kids and a wife. So the, 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 private, the private dining, the private chefing I'm doing is, is way more comfortable because yeah. I do it. Also, it's called Dinner with Luca. So it's not a business that is expendable. Without Luca, there's no Dinner with Luca. So whenever I take a night off of vacation, you know, the, the business stops, but, right. but yeah. it, it's, it's okay. You know, we, we, it's part of, it's part of, of the, I would say the flexibility also because during the week I'm home with the kids from Monday to Friday. I, I take care of the kids. We also homeschool. Mm -hmm. So I could never do that if I was working in a restaurant full time, right? even if it was, if I worked only, but if I own it, it would be even worse. Yes, uh, owning a restaurant is is way bigger task than most people think. I have worked with in tandem with other restaurant owners. I've gone in the manager's office. I've seen the massive lists of to do on their wall, and it's uh, they don't get enough credit, I believe, because it's a very difficult job to to run a restaurant. Um, and just the fact that you know Gordon Ramsay runs like sixteen or something, or probably more. No, 20, just... yeah, more like twenty-five. But he doesn't run them anymore. You know, he got to a point where he has an incredible, uh, a very big team. Also, it's kind of impossible to run so many rest, so many restaurants on your own, right? Right. Um, but you know, when you get to a certain level, you have a lot of people working for you it's just that uh, there is no many Gordon Ramses in the world you know there are a lot of restaurant people that day in and day out are in the restaurant working serving table and then you do it because you are passionate and because you love it right yes. but it's a very 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 hard job Yes, yes. So on, on that note, what did you what did you learn from your your earlier experiences specifically that helped you further down the line where you are right now? Do you have any let's just say let's just pick one of the most important things that you've learned from from your experiences in the beginning that's kind of stuck with you. So right after MasterChef the first question that people ask you is like, when are you going to open your restaurant? Right? What are you going to do now? Are you going to open the restaurant? When are you going to open the restaurant? And I, and I let's say, rode on that wave. I, I, I was riding that boat. And I was in the mindset that because I won the show, now I should be a chef. And that was a very, very big mistake. No matter what, you know, I opened, I didn't open a restaurant, but I opened a food truck. Okay. And the food truck was very successful. But mm. wait, let me rephrase that. The, the food truck was very appreciated. 
but was not very successful as far as business and money. Financially successful, yeah. Exactly. It wasn't financially successful. The press loved that. The food critics in town loved us. We had only five-star reviews, but the business concept of the food truck was not very sustainable because there was too many expenses, right? Too much, okay. too many expenses. Understood. What I learned from that were two things. The first one is that nobody is a chef after three months of a reality show. Nobody. But like nobody's a chef even after working five years in a restaurant. You know, you can learn, you can work hard and try to achieve certain things, right? Mm -hmm. But it's one of those businesses, and nobody's a chef when they come out from culinary school. So I get right, actually. It's better to work for four years in a restaurant than go for four years in a culinary school because you learn much more. Yes. You're not like $100,000 in debt. Yes, that too. Yes. Because <laughs> when you finish culinary school, you go in a restaurant and you're still going to get lower wage, the, ba yep. the minimum wage, right? They don't Even care. if you have a degree, right? Yep. So, but what I learned was that, that I, I wished I didn't take that wave of everybody wanted you, which I'm not blaming on other people. I'm blaming it just on me, right? Sure. But that was, and, and there's something, you know, that Gordon Ramsay told me one day, and, and back then I took it as a kind of personal, as an offense. And now I see it as, I wish I, I listened more to him and I put my ego aside. Because when we met after the show, we met in Los Angeles because we were filming something as was me, him, and Joe. And we were exploring ideas about the restaurant. And, and their idea was for me to run one, one of their restaurants as a manager. Mm -hmm. And Ramsey told me, it's like, you know, don't think that now you have to become a chef. You are a restaurant manager. You were a manager before you came. And, and he said, Luca, your personality is much better than your food. Yeah. And, I, and I took that as an offense, right? Mm -hmm. Because let's be honest, you get into this vibe of the master chef and, and people blow you up on social yep. media and stuff. Yep. And, and you're kind of like full of shit. Okay. Then luckily it took me a few years to come down to hurt. Right. Right. And I tell people to not call me chef. I don't like it. It's, it's, um, now we, we are blowing up. We, we, this profession has been like looked because of social media, but also television. Mm -hmm. It's been looked in a certain way, like chef is such a important role. I always say like, yes, you call doctors, right? When you say a doctor, you call a doctor, but you don't go out and call somebody, hey, plumber, John, hey, electrician, Willie. That's true. Right? No, but everybody now is called a chef. It's like, why is, is this job, which is a cook, came to this kind of goddess, you know, ideology, right? And mm. at the end of the day, most, first of all, I don't want to generalize. There are incredible chefs all over the world, in America, in the fine dining, you know, um, fine dining establishment right mm -hmm. but there's also a great majority of glorified cooks that they become chefs because they are in charge of the position and unfortunately with this position as a sh executive chef it comes like uh, this this uh, temperamental and and personalities ego 
ego and they they kind of abuse people just because of their uh, position, right? And, because and they can. Because they can, but because they are dealing also with a bunch of people that are there because they need the job. Mm -hmm. And so they take these hits in the chin just because they need the job and they're not already making a lot of money, right? Right. So that's why luckily I, I get, I was really mentioned by my personal experience because we lost also a lot of money in the business. Okay. And I put my feet back on earth and I say, okay, you need to get your priorities straight and you need to understand where you're going. Because like this, I was working like 16 hours a day, 14, 12, doesn't matter, right? And when you work so much, you don't really have that much time either to improve yourself. Right, you're just kind of on autopilot, just rinse and right? repeat without even thinking about how can I get better? You just want to get through the orders for the day or something. Yeah. So going back to your question, that's the thing that I learned the most is uh, to get my priorities straight, to understand that um, you're not a chef just because you spend a few months on a reality show. And I laugh because I never put chef on my social media, right? It's just Luca. <laughs> it's Luca, right? When I, but I see a lot of people that they are, they've been in MasterChef. Many of them didn't even win, right? Oh, and then they, they put all, chef they all, on there. Somehow they all become chefs after two months on, on the show, right? Or maybe after one week on the show. So it is now, you know, if after I've been doing it for eight years, and I see what I can do, maybe it doesn't touch me anymore when people call me chef. I tell them still, you know, you can call me Luca, right? I don't like the title. Uh, but that was the thing I, I, I learned the most. Also, I learned that, unfortunately, I think it's very hard to be a father and a husband and a restaurateur at the same time. It's tough. Right? So that for me was like, okay, I don't need to open a restaurant. I'd rather be a husband and a dad and find another job that I'll still be happy doing, but doesn't sacrifice my relationship inside my home. That, that right there is pretty commendable, I do have to say, because I know one thing, I know, your, I know your wife and children appreciate it, and I think it, it um, making that kind of sacrifice and making those kind of choices, I think it's a very mature thing of you to do that. Um, uh, especially, especially just, it, it appears to me then that you're concerned about the, the future of your children, which are your children, I, and I see it all the time. You have, you have people that become, let's say, very rich businessmen or businesswomen because they are spending 60 hours, 80 hours a week, and all they do is work, and they then don't have any time for their family, and then their kids, you know, get confused, and, and then there's problems at home, and they don't know why. Well, it's because you can't properly run a family. You know, it's, it's very nice to have a father involved as a part of raising the children. So that's, I give you big props for, for making that choice. See, you know, you, you could have gone two ways. You could do that way, or you could say, all I care about is the money, period. You know, the kids can figure it out, or that's why I have a wife or whatever. That's a lot of people make that. I feel it's a rather selfish choice. Um, so I think that's amazing, and I, I appreciate you sharing. And that's something that I, it's a really great, just whether people are in the cooking business or not, it's a great message and just something, a core concept of life to think about. You know, having balance in your <clears> life and keeping your priorities straight. So that's, that's great. And what about, uh, if we could switch gears a little bit, can you tell us about something that you have recently made? Perhaps it's a new dish, that, a variation that you came up with, or maybe a new um, offering within your business <coughs> concept or something? Yes. Because you always so, got to be involved, evolving and improving, right? Yeah, there's a dish. Um that I actually been working on for a couple of years. A couple of years, wow. Yeah, so I started with the idea a couple of years ago, and, and I remember 
because I also watch it, I see it on social media and um, it changed a lot and it changes until I'm not really 100% happy with that, right? Okay. And, and um, this is six scallops, people like a lot, right? So it's six scallops and it started with a cauliflower puree. Then it went with a corn puree. Then it was with roasted beets and puree, which makes it a nice contrasting color. Sure. And then I changed the plate in a few times. And then I went to eat in a restaurant and they had, oh no, maybe I saw it in a cookbook and they had quail eggs dipped in beet juice. And I was already using beets. So I said, let me put the quail, let me try to do this quail egg. So it's two and a half minutes, soft boiled. Then you peel them and you put them in the beet juice. So they became beautiful Easter eggs, right? And then I go with this dish around the season. So it's fall time is maybe broccoli puree that is nice and green or uh, cauliflower. But the thing I like the most to me, right, it was in springtime with green peas. So I have green in the bottom, the sea scallops, absolutely 100% Gordon Ramsay style, which it does them with 50% salt and 50% curry. Okay. And then I have this uh, baby roasted potatoes. Sometimes I roast them in duck fat. If I have duck fat around with rosemary and garlic, and then this beautiful purple quail egg. And then I put a few dots of a very concentrated and thick uh, corn puree. And then I finish them obviously with um, uh, pea, pea, pea sprouts. Pea sprouts. Pea sprouts, right? Like and the little green peas, those, the green no, peas. No, what is it? So the, 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 the leaves, how do you call the, the leaves? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I guess I was trying to figure out these are sprouts from, yeah. from peas. These, yeah, they, they are no, sprouts. Before, yeah, from the plant, from the plant, right? There is micro some microgreens. Microgreens, but they're like, and then the dish is finished with uh, a cumin foam. Wow. Yeah, it, it looks, it looks, it looks fancy because of the foam and because of the, uh, of the plating. But also yeah. looks beautiful because of the color, because you have the the yellowish of the scallops because of the curry. On the bottom, you have the green of the pea puree, the purple, very bright purple of the beet juice uh, quail eggs. Nice. And then uh, and then the leaves and the potatoes that are usually they have a nice char on the potatoes. So that was actually. We, we did it uh, for a dinner on Saturday and I was looking at that and I was kind of going through my head and I said like, yeah, you know, it took, it took two years to get it, but now I really, really like it. You know, the other times I still liked it and it tasted delicious, but there was always something with the plating and with the other thing. Another dish that I worked a lot is the famous panna cotta from MasterChef. Mm, panna cotta. Yeah, the one I made in the finale. I stopped making it for many, after a few months after the show, I stopped making it because I didn't like it anymore. And then I, I took it back. I took it maybe like, maybe maybe four years ago, three years ago. I worked on it again and I said, okay, I, I, why, why are you giving it up like that? Just think about it now and try to, to perfect it and to evolve it. And mm. uh, yeah. And and do does does it reflect on your on your customers? Do, do they like it as much as you do? I hope it's pretty. That, that I can't do it for the dinners because it takes way too much time. Oh, okay, it's just yeah. A, I'll do it. Record. I'll do it. I'll do that when I have some like special events when people hire me to do chef tables, and and maybe uh, I go and do these events at the restaurant. So because I, it needs to be played in a, in a plate. Mm -hmm. So I need a lot of space and it takes, and you need to do it in advance to let the set. So when I go and do these events at the restaurants, yes, they have a lot of space in the cooling, in the fridges, the walk-in fridges, right? Mm -hmm. so that'll make it. Uh, there are some dish that they're just not made for my catering business because 
the preparation and the way they need to be to stored. And also when I'm moving, that I'm, I'm moving like maybe for an hour, an hour and a half from the prep kitchen to the customer place, it wouldn't work. But that comes, you know, with, with a lot of years of practice. Uh, you know, back in the day, I'm sure I was making so many mistakes. They were not good for the food itself, right? But, mm. Yeah, it's, I, I, I totally get you there. It's, it's the same in my business. Like there's certain tricks or routines that I save for certain occasions just because of the, the amount of prep or the, the conditions. It's just uh, conditions aren't right. And that's, that's part of being a professional, I, I think, at anything, right? You have to understand there are, there are certain things you say and do based on your conditions. You can't do everything in in all conditions uh, i mean that's ideal but uh yeah I, I would venture to guess that the people who are not pros that are that are beginning they want to do everything or they want to try everything in every condition but as you know it's from experience it's kind of may set you up for a big failure because with, with all this prep you don't have the space the conditions aren't right it becomes a big mess so um i get it so you, you found what works for your catering you have things that work for those conditions, and then this super fancy thing works for these other conditions. Got it. Okay. What about um, what about something uh, favorite of Luca's that you've created in the past or cooked in the past? Like one of your classic go-tos. Well, it stays the short ribs. Short ribs. So that's, that's the dish that I made in the MasterChef finale, and it's actually the only dish that I still serve. Uh, almost the way it used to be in the finale nice but actually made it uh more simple to make it more italian and uh, and i realized but that's another thing that i realized you know less is more and uh, you don't need to be fancy all the time and that's what i did at the beginning after the show mm -hmm. i was making all these complicated dishes and tried to make them beautiful and then somehow there was this uh, reconnection with the basics and with the traditions. And, and like so much going back to that, that in my business, I also offer a family style menu mm. with classic Italian dishes because I realized that not everybody wants the fine dining experience when they're meeting with their friends. True. It doesn't have to be stuffy. My dinners are never stuffy because it's a very relaxed and easygoing atmosphere. But the short ribs are for sure the dish that uh, is my comfort food and is the food that I always eat and I'm happy to eat it. Like, and I've been doing it for eight years, you know? This is the same short ribs from the MasterChef finale, but they actually a much, uh, not much simpler version because they're more simple though from the MasterChef. Just be, they used to have also a watercress puree. Now that watercress puree just became a fresh arugula salad on top. Yeah, why not? Right. No, because it's more Italian. The watercress puree was taking me a lot of time all the time, and watercress is hard to source sometimes. Mm -hmm. But it was part of the thing after MasterChef that I learned that because I was trying to do everything fancy, everything restaurant style. Uh, but then, you know, Gordon Ramsay says all the time less is more, and things don't have to be complicated all the time. And, and actually now the scale of this that I was talking to you earlier, it mm -hmm. may seem complicated, but the techniques to make the dish are very easy. It just takes a lot of steps because there are a lot of components, but the dish itself is not hard to make. But it was kind of a reconnection for me to the to the traditions, to the to the comfort food, to sure. to the, the 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 origins, right? Where I came from, and right now I even offer a family style menu because I realized that not everybody wants the high price menus that I offer, and not everybody wants 
a very fancy meal when they go out and meet with their friends. Maybe they just want to eat at the table and have delicious food. So I, I offer things like meatballs in tomato sauce with the uh, grilled sourdough, eggplant parmigiana or risotto. We make a pasta with sausage and broccoli. Um, of course, lasagna. Classic, yeah. Yeah, pasta with braised oxtail. Of course, the short ribs because they're still a, a classic, right? Mm -hmm. And then also a chicken dish with mushroom and cream sauce that, you know, it's not the fancy thing, but believe it or not, it's what people ask me the most in the family style. Short ribs and that, or steak night, you know? People mm -hmm. even hire me for a steak night if they're mostly men. They say, hey, can you do a steakhouse? Which back in the day, maybe I was like, no, nah, you know, it's not the type of food I do because um, I'm, I'm a, I don't know, I'm a pretentious, uh, fancy chef, right? <laughs> <laughs> but now it's like okay you want you want lasagna and, and 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 to me is it was like okay what was i thinking because when i taste this thing and they were and they are delicious and it's like there's nothing wrong with meatballs and tomato sauce it's delicious and 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 there's no better food you know to to, to have around the table and, and, and be together with your friends or family. So yeah, I mean, a lot of people think, uh, even in my field too, I, sometimes you think, oh, the fancier, the fancier complicated tricks, the better. But it's the, same, it's the same truism in my art. The classics are a classic for a reason. Right. It's the same thing in the culinary field. They remain classics and stand the test of time because it just works. So it's kind of like, right, if, if it's not broke, why fix it? Why? Yeah, Lydia Bastianich was a guest judge in our, in our season, and she nice. said something like that. She said, um, classics are called classics for a reason. Try to learn the basic first before going out of a tangent that you don't really even know why you're doing it, right? Mm -hmm. So learn the basics first. And then from there, when you learn the basic technique and also cuisines, then maybe you can go out and try to put your own spin to it. Yep, yep, same, same thing here. Like when I started, uh, with with magic, I would I would study I would study all the old timers from like the fifties and sixties, and I would learn the thing verbatim exactly as they as they would say it, and then I would even say the performance in the same way. And then one of my teachers and mentors said, uh, "Here's another cool one. It's it's um, you know in the beginning it's okay to to copy, but eventually, once you've learned that foundation, you branch out." And um, my one of my main mentors and teachers, Jeff McBride, would say, it's okay to imitate, but eventually you want to innovate. You imitate first, then you innovate uh, later down the line. Once you've understood and have a good grip on those basics or classics, and clearly with, with your field, it's the exact same. So that's, that's cool. We're on the same page there. Well, it, it's it, not granted, though, that, anybody, that everybody can do it. Because that's, I think, is the difference between a cook and, and a great chef in my business, you know? It's not that anybody can become um, Thomas Keller or uh, a René, Chef René, I think, from Noma. Now I forgot his last name, right? There are really, and that's to me is the big difference, the real chefs that can do the most creative and, and, and crazy intense things, mm -hmm. those are artists. They go out from being just regular chefs or cooks, you know? And I think that those type of mentality and, and creative create, create, minds, they would be artists in any profession they pick because they learned the basics first and they did like everybody else did for many, many years. And then they started creating on their own. You got it. Uh, that's a good analogy there, yeah. You got it. Yeah, creativity comes in all shapes and forms, but at the heart of it, creativity remains just a, 
I, I believe it's a state of mind. It's a state of mind. I, I believe it's one that anyone can tap into. And I think a lot of times people miss the boat because they, they convince themselves that they aren't creative. And then they, whether it's verbally or just this subconscious belief, and then it just shuts off all the other opportunities because they are, they've already started with the belief that, oh, I'm not creative. I, don't, I, can't, I can't do it. So then they don't even try. And it's the ones that are always experimenting, and, and they make tons of mistakes along the way. But guess what? They flex that creative muscle, and they grow their art. So on that, on that note, you've probably, I mean, you've mentioned a couple of mistakes, you know, with the different types of pasta. Uh, I always <laughs> love to ask my guests, what would be your biggest, your, your the worst <laughs> DIY creative fail of all time you know perhaps in the kitchen maybe something caught on fire did you have do you have anything catching on fire stories or any like really just stupid stuff that just it just escalated and i had i had a grill once catch on fire we were making a lot of chicken okay and the grill was um a propane grill like the one that everybody has outside okay so you had a grill which is designed to produce heat but it was too hot. It was the fat, the fat from the chicken kept on dripping where the flame uh, was. Yeah. And eventually the entire grill caught on fire. And I remember I had to take it with, with, with like kitchen towels and tongs and move the grill out of it and throw it in the grass. We were scared because it also was a homemade attachment, like when we put the propane in, yeah. the cables on our home. I was scared that somehow the, 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 the propane, the, the fire went too close to the propane tank. Yeah, that, that would be a whole other performance. That's... Yeah, it was very intense. It wasn't even, I, was, I don't think it was after MasterChef. It was before MasterChef. And it was at my parents' home in Italy. And I had a history of throwing parties. Every time I came back to America, uh -huh. I invited like literally, the first time was like 90 people. Wow. Sometimes it was 70. And I remember one of those days I was cooking and, and um, we had two grills on and we had this attachment to the propane. Mm -hmm. You know those, those, those uh, camping burners? Yeah, yeah, it's um, a portable stove, portable yeah, hot two, top. No, two giant, no, with the propane though, right? Two oh, an actual hot grill, okay. Yeah, with the flames. They were put under a giant piece of very thick uh, cast iron. So, and we made a homemade grill with that. Wow, okay, okay. But we used it for so long that the tube where the propane was attached to the grill, mm -hmm. the burner, it got loose. Oh, that's no good. And literally there was this cable of propane with the flames going around and slamming on the floor and going. So it was down. lit on the end? Yes, yes. What? Yes. You know, like the same thing that happened with the hose with the water when they yeah. on and the water goes everywhere. But it was fire. Pressure, but it was fire. Whoa. Um, after that, I said, maybe we should do smaller parties next time. Yeah, yeah, let's change it up. Wow, that is, that's, that's extremely dangerous. That's like a homemade flamethrower, but yeah, yeah, yeah. not in your control. A control, it's just doing what it wants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just be lucky none of the uh, the chicken grease leaked on the floor and then it lit that up and then it you know caused the chicken oh, forget about. <laughs> that's no good okay right luca so this is all this is uh glad at least your your house is still there after that incident with the yeah it was outside in a gazebo okay okay good well and the gazebo is okay too yeah yeah, yeah. okay good <laughs> good so if we were to just go back to the very beginning and just kind of encapsulate everything. I would always ask, what inspired you, Luca, to be a maker, meaning a chef, a cook, uh, uh, you know, making great food for people? What was your original inspiration to just start doing this? Was it family or did you see something? Uh, 
I found myself in the middle of it. Um, when I started, when I was young, working in restaurants, it was just the easiest job to get. Also, I started working in restaurants when I was still in school. I would do summer seasons. Mm. You know, I would work in weekends when they were high season, like holiday season. Mm -hmm. Ask me to work like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I was still going to school. But then the cooking, uh, obviously, I worked 10 years in New York City in the restaurant. Um, and I believe, you know, if you have a little bit of ambition, I always thought I was going to own my own restaurant one day. And then after MasterChef, as we were talking about it before, mm. I, I realized that the lifestyle was was not the best if you yeah. want to if you want to raise children if you want to have a family and i and i say this i said this a few times um there is this uh, proverb that i like that they say your life starts when you realize the reason why you are living and what inspire me the most are my children. Because my life rotates around theirs. Which means that everything I do, most of the things I say, and most of the things I do, they're all around them. So for me, I really found my you know your why exactly i really found my why when my kids were born and mm. and i really you know i take this you know it's very very important for me and the fact that i know i'm very fortunate that i get to be home with them all the time uh is also part of the way that we want to educate them and my wife has a great job she works from home so she's around too so we're very both very participating in their lives nice that's but great i worked so many years in the restaurants and i worked so many i saw so many of the restaurant owners being always there at the restaurant and not spending time with their families and mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, I think that many of them like, like to have that excuse. I can't be home because I need to be at the restaurant. Right? Mm. So it's taken also as a escape from the regular life, from staying home to your wife and stay home and play with your kids because uh, everybody it's easy now you know when they're 15 16 17 it's easy to hang out with your kids but when they're um, I mean I have a blast with them so I play I'm a, I'm a big kid myself you know but when the kid is one year old or a few months old is two months old that's challenging uh, that's very challenging right so uh, I can see how some fathers would say I need to work I can't be home and help you feed them or change diapers, right? And, mm -hmm. and I think that affects a lot the relationship, you know? Oh, yeah. And I say that I make this, this decision of not working full-time in the restaurant business. It's not just because of the kids. It's also because I want to be a good husband. And, and you can't be a good husband if you're like 16 hours a day at work because it's like, you know, you're leaving. And that's what I did actually with the, with the food truck. With the food truck, it was like, okay, I'm working too much. And, I, and luckily it took me eight months to, to realize it. You know, Valentino was, was six months old and I was never home. And I said, my wife had Luca and at like a 22 months old and a six months old. I said like, nah, I'm not gonna be that guy. And, and um, I, I always wonder, you know, maybe the food truck was doing good. Imagine if the food truck was making good and I open a restaurant after the food truck because the food truck is very, was very successful. 
but you know at the end you you're you're kind of in charge of uh, of your path somehow right obviously there are some things that you you're not in control with but um maybe if i wasn't happy and i wasn't making enough money with my dinner with luca i would be looking to do something else but i work two or three nights a week i mean obviously it takes a couple of days to prep so but you know i have that flexibility that you know i can prep when the kids are asleep right yeah it's nice we're done with their with their day and i don't have to sacrifice spending time with them or taking care of them mm-hmm. and you know also we have my, my mother-in-law lives close by so there are things you know you are in charge of your path right 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 so you get to you need to get to the point where you need to be happy and you need to understand what you're doing you know what your reason in his life and also you have to have some sort of purpose purpose but also you need to be able to realize what you're doing right now how is going to impact your life and the lives of who's around you in the next three four five ten years right yeah Yeah. you can you know yeah i used to be young and, and not very smart and say day by day no day by day doesn't work you know day by day doesn't work I mean, it may work when you're 20, but you know. <laughs> not with a with a wife and a life. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you want to actually have a life, yeah. like a lot of restaurant managers probably don't, due to yeah. the insane yeah. hours and the commitment and connection. Yeah. Wow. Well, this uh, a lot a lot of a lot of tough choices to be made, but you've made them, and it seems like you're you're at peace with them and it may, it was the right decision for you. And uh, like I said, I know your wife and kids greatly appreciate that. Uh, is there anyone, so so basically your cho- having children changed just kind of your whole mindset and course uh, about what's important, your priorities and how you wanna proceed. Uh, and that's that's the sign of a good, a good parent. That's what my mom told me actually. She said, Sean, when I had you, everything changed. My way of thinking to everything, you know, teaches you how to how to be selfless rather than selfish, which a lot of people are when they're young and don't have any kids. It's easy to be selfish. So um, that's that's a great sign of growing and maturity there. Who in who in, who do you look up to in this in this culinary space? Are there specific people that you respect and look up to besides Gordon Ramsay, of course? That's probably a given. <laughs> There are there are a few chefs that I that I like for for the way that uh, they they work mm. and their, their job ethic and also their creativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, cookbooks for me are like books for people who like uh, novels or romance. You know, like you read you read people that read a lot of books. Um, they have some authors that like better than others. Some writers that they like better than others. Authors, okay, yes. Sorry, misheard that. Got it. No, no, no. Authors. And for me, it's the same with cookbooks. You know, uh, I have a lot of cookbooks from chefs where I that I ate at their restaurants, and I was okay. impressed, and I bought it. Right. Um, I'm looking at the cookbooks right now, and and some others. It's just because they're famous. Maybe I never ate at the restaurant, so I never met them. Uh, but I really take inspiration from the way that they treat their ingredients and the way they make they make uh, the food, right? But at the end, you know, I, I don't. I'm not looking for getting a Michelin star. I mean, I don't have a restaurant. Uh, the reviews I get, they're not from food critics. They're from my customers. So the bottom line for me is. Um, is, is to make good food, to use good ingredients, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's it. The, the insp- I don't take the inspiration for my, you know, r- real life from chefs, but 
maybe I like more business people or, or I like, you know, in general professionals that I like that maybe they are remarkable for what they built on their business, but they also carry themselves mm. in a very, in a very good way. So it can be a mix, right? Uh, there are a lot of very good, I'm trying to think chefs that I really like a lot. I'm looking at the, no, those, those are the two. There's a guy from Italy that's called uh, Chef Scarello. There's two Michelin stars. And I absolutely love the way he treats the, his food and the way the, the food looks. Mm. And also another guy I like, I like a lot is Chef Michael Anthony from Gramercy Tavern in New York. But that's because I used to go in a lot of his restaurants. No, to eat a lot of Gramercy Tavern. I used to be a big fan of David Chang. I liked his food a lot. Then I can't watch his shows anymore because he curses all the time and I don't want my kids to watch his shows. Um, so, so <laughs> no. But I see we used to go to Momofuku in New York a lot. Um, David Chang. Yeah, David Chang from Momofuku. He built an empire. Yeah, he has a lot of restaurants uh, everywhere. Mm. New cookbooks. Um, he has one in LA, mostly New York City, Las Vegas. And he was, um, he had his own show on Netflix. Wow. Which I don't remember the name. He did a couple of shows on Netflix. The first one was very successful. The other ones, I don't think as much, but he's, he's an icon like he. Right. He started maybe 20 years ago selling, um, the first restaurant he opened was a noodle shop. And then from that, it just like, bam, 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 Exploded, bam. Yeah. He's, a, he's a genius. He's a, Anthony Bourdain um, talked about him as crazy, no, scary smart. Scary smart. Scary smart. Scary smart. And he's one of the, well, he's one of a kind, you know? And that's why we were talking about, there's not many Gordon Ramsay. Right, right, right. There's not many, um, uh, Danny Mayers around, you know, there, there are, there are a few that made their impact in America and, um, uh, David Chang is one of them and I like him a lot. Um, nice. I know it's just about, you know, following people that they exactly, as you said, they can inspire you. Right. Right. It doesn't have to be just professional. Sure, sure. I think you learn more for how people carry themselves out, the way they handle life, the way they speak. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, they were also the way they are in their personal life. Yeah, lots of times the personal life reflects on how they treat their business. Yeah, yeah I, I would say it's almost like you know, you treat your business almost how you treat your kids, you yeah. know, with care and respect and vice versa. Yeah. So, well, this was, yeah, this was fascinating. I, uh, it was amazing to, to kind of open the, the uh, proverbial cookbook of Luca for, <laughs> for this, this chat here. This is, uh, I think a lot of people can, especially from what you said about the importance of priorities with, with family, and I know that the Italian culture, because I'm half Italian myself, they're really big on family. It's all about the family. It's, you know, don't get away from your family. Like the, the American culture has kind of, it's like once you're 18, you can do whatever you want. You don't need your family anymore. You're independent. You can, okay, but, but there's certainly something to be said about having a strong connection with the family. And I appreciate that. And I think my audience, needs to hear that and they'll appreciate that as well. So uh, in conclusion, what, uh, how can my listeners and viewers learn more about cooking, uh, sorry, dinners with Luca and just, just your legacy and career? Yeah, just follow me on uh, social media, mostly Instagram and Facebook at Luca Manfè. All my URL are the same. 
I do a little bit of TikTok, but I don't have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Because that's why they call it TikTok, because it takes up all your TikTok oh, and your yeah, time man. away. Yeah. That's what I think. But uh, so, uh, Luca Man, how do you say the last name properly? Manfe. So, M-A-N-F-E. Manfe. Yep. Luca Manfe. So follow Luca Manfe on all so social media platforms, just like I am on Instagram. The links you can see there below that will appear, and they'll also be in the description with uh, links to other things that we talked about during this interview. So, wow, Luca, this was an absolute pleasure to uh, hang out with you and to have uh, you share some of your life stories, knowledge, and experience with the Making Magic audience. So uh, I really appreciate your time here today with us and thank you for having me thank you very much thank you luca and we'll see you guys on the next episode